0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, uh, just a little thing. It's kind of a proud dad moment. Evie's awesome, was not she? Yeah! Yeah, we're allowed to clap in church. It's okay. All right? Sorry, Evie. Oh, that wasn't part of the deal to me to do that, was it? But anyway. No, that's, um, anyway, that's very special for me. Okay, well, folks. Um, Great to have you all here uh, it's wonderful to be together this morning we 're coming up to easter we 're continuing on in, in our in our passion series um, and uh, it's if you 're with us here for the first time uh, or if you 're visiting great to have you here too it 's wonderful my name 's graeme if you haven 't met me before well friends um uh, Let's pray as we open God's Word. We're going to focus on that first little scene that that, uh, uh, Quentin read for us, that first scene when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. So uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, for your goodness and mercy to us, we thank you. Uh, We thank you for all the many blessings you give us. We thank you that your love, your compassion never ends um, and uh, those uh, blessings you give us are new every morning. So today we thank you for your Word. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you're a God who speaks to us. We thank you for uh, friendships here. We thank you for the fellowship we share in Christ. We thank you for Jesus. Help us to listen to to your word now, Lord. Uh, Help us to put it into practice in our lives. And uh, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think for a moment of the darkest place you've ever been. No, not your wardrobe. (laughs) I don't know. A place of anguish and pain. A place of discouragement and despair. Think for a moment. Think of a place where you were alone in your suffering, maybe. Perhaps you're thinking of a place where the one thing you wanted was the one thing that God had determined that you would not have. Perhaps it's a place where you were trapped and there seemed to be no way out. A place where you wished to God you could be anywhere else in the universe except where God had put you now. Think of a place where things got so bad you almost thought you were going to die and maybe you almost did. I wonder if you've ever experienced anything like that. I know, actually, some of you have. Luke 22, 39 to 46 describes a time when Jesus went to that place, a garden called Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem. Over the next 20 or so minutes, let's follow in the steps of Jesus uh, through the olive trees uh, to that secret garden where he met his father alone and in anguish, a place of suffering A place of loneliness, a place of fear, conflict, a place of darkness, so there could be light. Now, Gethsemane, uh, as Matthew and Mark refer to it, Luke doesn't actually refer to the the word Gethsemane, but it's one of Jesus' favourite places to go. Uh, verse 39. If you've got your Bibles open, and please have your Bibles open. And you, there's a uh, an outline there in your in your bulletin as you walked in. Grab that out. Uh, take that out. Verse 39 tells us that Jesus. This is one of Jesus' regular spots. Um, he, he, following that last meal he ate with his disciples, he went out to the Mount of Olives as usual. Uh, some of the other. Matthew Mark, or Mark I think it is, says as was his custom. This was his happy place. (laughs) This is his happy place. Him and his mates, away from the crowds, away from those trying to kill him, they hiked up the hillside. It's just outside the gates of Jerusalem, hiked up the hillside, uh, lit a fire, told some stories, sang some songs, they prayed together. Can you imagine it? Pretty good, I would think, if you if you, if you like camping. Anyway, um, this is good camping. Here they were. I've got a few spots um, down the south coast. Here's one of them. I'll give you a little prize if you know what beach that is. Um, and uh, when, when I get there, you know, a few guesses going on here. When I when when you, when I get there, I, I know it's it's my happy place. I feel good. You know, I don't go there very often. Sadly, great memories have been made. Um, I got one of my first. Uh, big waves down there and it was on video. Ah, I love it, fantastic. It is my happy place. But on this night, this uh, secret garden, there's no, it was no happy place, no place of refuge or, or peace or joy. It was a place of suffering and pain for Jesus. On this night, those good memories had faded into the darkness. Now, as we read Luke's account of Gethsemane, for Jesus this night, it was, a, it was a night of lonely struggle. Although his disciples went with him, he told them to wait and he went on ahead and he knelt down and he prayed. and He, he told them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. But when Jesus returned, he found his disciples asleep. Now, before we get too carried away and cast blame on these poor old disciples, how many of us have been there? The head goes down the pillow at night, oh, I really sh- should pray. All right, dear Lord, thank you, thank you for, thank you for... Um, <laughs> come on, surely some of us have been there, not just me. <laughs> um, so we shouldn't cast, shouldn't go too hard on the poor old disciples. It had been a big day and a big night. Uh, but this was a night when Jesus needed his mates, This is a night when Jesus needed their prayer, their support, but they failed and he was alone. Judas, Judas had already betrayed him and he knew it was only hours before Peter would deny the man who just a few hours earlier had said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus was alone. He was alone called to the cross and he was alone as he grappled with that calling. For this secret garden was a lonely place. Luke tells us in verse 44 that Jesus was in anguish or in agony. It means, it, it means fierce conflict. That's what it means. Wrestling with what God had called him to do. Have a look at verse 40, 42 for a moment. That reveals the source... Of this intense conflict it says father if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done jesus was wrestling with the powers of darkness that were driving him to the cross they were literally encircling him hunting him down at that moment circling the place they camped but also he was wrestling with the will of the father who was leading him to the cross so there was the will of the father which was for the Son to drink the cup. We'll get onto that just in a moment. Against the will of Jesus, which asks whether there would be some other way. Anything except the cross, anything except crucifixion. Was there an easier way to save God's people? It was the temptation, remember at the start of Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, it was the temptation of the devil in the wilderness. You remember that. Right at the start of Jesus' ministry, to seize the crown, power without suffering. That's the conflict going on. Now, we, what we have here is a taste of this conflict of wills. That is, the mystery, what, what theologians calls, call the uh, incarnation. Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, both man and God. Human nature and divine nature, which cannot be divided. Jesus had a human will and a divine will. So here in the garden, he wrestled with that. Verse 42 shows us that. Uh, Humanly speaking, Jesus did not want to suffer and die by crucifixion. Well, duh. (laughs) No. No, if there was another way, he said. He He didn't have a death wish. He had the same instinct to, um, that we have to preserve our life. His preference was to live, but his choice in obedience was to do the Father's will, which was no easy choice, and nor did it come automatically. As one writer put it, in this crucible of spiritual conflict, Jesus suffered more anguish than we will ever know. This garden was a place of hard suffering. It was a garden of weeds, we could put it like that. This is what the writer of Hebrews described Jesus. Jesus who offered up prayers and petitions with fervent prayers. You see that down the bottom in the middle there? Fervent uh, fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. His distress was of such intensity... Look at verse 44 in Luke 22. That his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Perhaps this intensity explains why he fell to his knees. Normally for a Jewish man you would stand and pray. But the intensity was so great that he fell to his knees. In Mark's gospel, Mark records Jesus saying to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, I find, it, I find it hard to feel this. I don't know about you. I find it hard to feel this. Uh, to feel Jesus' emotional state. Even to understand his suffering. I haven't been there. No, I don't know what it's like. But I guess that's the point none of us have been there none of us have been there none of us have experienced this distress that Jesus experienced none of us this dread that came over him because the cause wasn't simply the approach of death now many survivors have felt that and described that we've we've read accounts whether it's in war or whether it's in accidents I was reading one recently of a shark attack Um, read the stories many brave martyrs have shown more courage in the face of death than we read here of Jesus so what was the cause of this anguish, this distress that filled Jesus with such trembling, that brought him to his knees so far we had known him as a courageous and and brave uh, brave person that it was so agonising That in God's mercy, an angel was sent to strengthen him. What was it? What was this cause of this anguish? Well, the answer is that Jesus was facing the humiliating and excruciating suffering that only this death would bring. In dying on the cross, he would suffer for our sins. Our rejection of God's rule. That's what sin is. Jesus would take the world's sin upon himself. Now why should sin bring so much suffering? Well, because sin the Bible tells us deserves punishment, and Jesus when he took our sin upon himself became the subject he became subject to that punishment that sin deserved, the wrath of God. The the curse of God the Bible says. So using the familiar Old Testament language, you might have picked it up from Psalm uh, Psalm 11 that was read to us before, this, old, this image of God's wrath and judgment, Jesus took the cup, took the cup of God's judgment for our sin, verse 42 refers to it. He drank the bitter brew of the judgment of God. Here's how uh, John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, put it. It's a, it's a great little paragraph. His horror was not that at death simpliciter as a passage out of this world but because he had before his eyes the dreadful tribunal of God the judge himself armed judge himself armed with inconceivable vengeance it was our sins the burden of which he had assumed that pressed him down with enormous mass and tormented him grievously with fear and anguish wow Wow! Yet Jesus made that choice, not my will, but yours be done. He made the choice over and against his own will to die for us for our sin. Perhaps this story, as a bit of a break, a bit of a, uh, in this intensity, perhaps this story will offer a glimpse of what Jesus went through for us. Only a glimpse. It was all over the news. Uh, it was watched live across the world. In fact, my eldest was watching was following it as it happened live on the web. A champion surfer, Mick Fanning, got attacked by a shark in the middle of the final of the Jeffreys Bay surfing competition. Uh, it inspired memes. Uh, memes, whatever they're called, what are they called? Yeah, that'll do. All over the world. It says, tried to get Mick Fanning's autograph, got punched in the back. Um, he apparently punched the shark. I, I'm, I still can't talk about it. I'm a big surfing fan, clearly. But I can't t- I, I, It was unbelievable. I was, I was actually on a ministry call at the time, and I heard Where's from down the bottom shouting and screaming. at me, Dad, Dad, I'm on a call. Where's, I can't come. <laughs> I knew something was up, but I couldn't come. It was unprecedented unprecedented. If, you've ever, if, you ever, if you haven't seen the video, um, YouTube it. It's all over the net. You'd think it's made up. It's unbelievable. Now, I think it'd be a terrible way to go. It'd <laughs> be a pretty awful way to go being taken by a shark. But what was most terrifying, McFanning said, was waiting in the water after he lost his board. So there was a big bump. He actually It actually hit his. It bit his leg rope and pulled him, and he lost his board. And there he was, treading water in the treading water, uh, yes, in the water, being exposed to the shark, not knowing where it was, couldn't see a thing, the dread of waiting. Well, the shark never came back. The jet skis were there in a moment, which probably for Mick Fanning felt like his whole life. Uh, Many, though, have not been so lucky. Let me tell you the story about it uh, only briefly. In the early 1990s, there was a couple, you might have heard of this couple, John and Deborah Ford, were honeymooning in uh, Byron Bay and they were married for just days. Just days. John was taken by a shark as he pushed his wife of a few days out of the way, uh, out of its path of its jaws. His body was never recovered. Gruesome stuff, isn't it? I can't imagine the dread or the terror that he knew that, that he felt that day. Just awful. This is it. There's no coming back from this. Yes, it starts to make me wonder, would I have done the same thing for my wife? (laughs) Of course I would (laughs) have. Swim hard, dear, I'm gone. (laughs) I hope I would have. I hope I'll never be put in that horrible situation. Um, no, that's right. <laughs> oh dear, no. Uh, friends, Jesus felt the terror of impending death just as much as we would have. He knew what was going to happen. As far as his human will was concerned, he didn't want to die at all. The coming crucifixion filled him with such dread that it almost killed him. Nevertheless, Jesus was willing to suffer the horror of that dread for my salvation, for yours. Choosing to drink the bitter cup that my sins deserve. Friends, what we learn from the episode in the garden, Jesus' agony, is not so as we can have pity on Jesus. It's not that. And it's not even to remind us of his humanity, although in some ways it is. But Luke and Matthew and Mark as well, They record this incident to help us see again the love that Jesus has for you and I. That's what is there. The love that Jesus has for you and I in dying for our sin. The lesson that gets enemy, you see, is not that Jesus suffers with us, not really, but that he suffered for us. That's the lesson there. There's one more thing. One more thing that we ought to learn about Jesus before we, uh, as we wrap things up. Uh, That is, uh, what Jesus did and what Jesus told his disciples to do. Did you see what it was? Pray. Pray. In situations such as this, pray our Father. Our Father in heaven, our heavenly Father who loves us, who who is in control of all things, who's sovereign over all things. He promises to hear our prayers. In times of distress, times of trials, uh, temptation, times of darkness, Jesus says, pray. Jesus prays. In fact, in verse 44 explains that in his anguish, Jesus prayed even more earnestly. And even when the disciples failed miserably, Jesus did not stop telling his disciples to pray. So, don't put your hands up, but is anyone ashamed? Uh, Is anyone afraid? Is anyone confused? Is anyone in grief or pain? Is anyone discouraged? Is anyone desperate? Is anyone lonely? Well, Jesus says, pray. He says, pray. Philippians 4.6, which is one of my um, uh, favourite verses. My favourite verses because it's easy to remember in one sense. You can say, when you're in a fix, remember Philippians 4.6. It's cute, isn't it? But it works. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, with thanksgiving, have I, I got that right? That's right. By, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This peace of God which guards, uh, protects our hearts, Paul refers to it here. You see, listen carefully, it's, it's the subjective. It's the, It's the subjective feeling upon knowing the objective truth of the cross of Christ. Got that? It's the subjective feeling upon knowing the objective truth of the cross of Christ. That Jesus died for me and brought me back to God. I have peace with him. And we get that feeling... And what a great feeling it is in our hearts, protected by the the peace of God. We get that feeling when we come to our Heavenly Father in prayer. It is just such a wonderful thing. So what then do we pray? So we pray. What do we pray? Well, we pray like Jesus. You see, prayer, prayer is, if you want to know what prayer is, just one word answer prayer is trust that's what prayer is so we pray Lord not my will but yours be done we pray in what we might call willing submission or obedience to God's will even when it's really hard even when it's tough even when we're in agony see on the one hand we need to understand that scripture tells us God's will is being done everywhere Uh, you could call it his secret will his plan as sovereign God is controlling all things and is above all things uh, in control and so when we pray your will be done we entrust ourselves to God we say you know what I'm going to trust you Lord no matter what the outcome it's pretty awful at the moment but I'm going to keep trusting you and in the end, we welcome what God has in store. Now, sometimes we see God's sovereignty more clearly after the fact. We, uh, we look back and see how God has guided us. So, a great book. Let me uh, get it over here for a minute. Pull these over. A great book that, uh written by Philip Jensen and Tony Payne calls that guidance God's retrospective guidance. We see God's sovereignty at work after the fact. We look back and think, man, God was putting that sort of stuff together. Um, this is an older copy, uh, this one. This is one I bought years ago. This is the best book I have ever... Christian book I've ever read. The best book I've ever read. If you want an, I've read a few books. Go and look inside my office if you like. Um, some of them are just for show, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some of them I haven't read. But this is fantastic. You can still buy it, get on Amazon, um, do yourself a favour. It is just fantastic, great book, okay. That retrospective guidance, God's sovereign over all things, that's God's will, God's secret will. But on the other hand, uh, God has revealed, revealed his will to us in Scripture, in the Bible. So, for example, in Scripture, our Father's revealed will is to make us like Jesus. There's countless verses we could have chosen to to look at that. So to make us like Jesus then, uh, self-sacrificial worship is God's will for our lives. So um, I'm going to just read through a few passages and and help us to get a bit of an idea of this. I want us to see this clearly. So for example, um, when we pray, your will be done, we're praying, that self-sacrificial worship would be part of our lives because we want to be like Jesus. God is making us like Jesus. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be patent, uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. That's what God's will is. Well, what else is God's will, his revealed will for our lives, to be more like Jesus? Evangelism um, is God's will for our lives. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Uh, therefore don't, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit." keep reading there, but telling others, not being silent, uh, is God's will for our lives as Christian people. You're getting a sense of what we could pray for then. When we pray, your will be done, we can pray this. Let's keep going. What about holiness? Well, holiness clearly is God's will for our lives. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, uh, be holy, set apart that you avoid sexual immorality. There's one example and he goes on to list a few more. Holiness or being sanctified, it's the same word, is God's will for our lives. One more. Being content is God's will for our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's God's will for our lives. So when we pray, your will be done, we're praying to be more like Jesus. We're praying to be content. We're praying to be holy. That we would tell others that our whole lives would be lives of worship. Now one of the, in fact, I think one of the greatest, most comforting things about understanding God's will is that he's taken away the guesswork. I've met many Christians who are paralysed with fear about whether something is God's will or not the answer is pretty simple we've just been looking at it there's God's revealed will he wants us to be more like Jesus and he gives us lots of examples of how we can do that and we just read those through to be obedient to God's word found in scripture that's what God's revealed will is and then make a decision and as American author Kevin DeYoung says just do something another book this is not as good as that book because that's the best book I've ever read but that is a pretty good book too. The advantage of this one, it's smaller. There you go. A great book. So we don't, look, we don't need to look for signs. We don't need to guess. God takes the guesswork out of it. He frees us from that. He's given us his revealed will in his word. See, when we look for signs, what we do is we diminish the gift of God's word to us. That's what we're doing. We're minimising scripture. Instead, let's raise scripture for what it actually is, what it truly is, the word of God, which is relevant simply because it is the word of God. That's why it's relevant. Much more to say. Um, uh, people have written good, really great books about it. Um, uh, we're, we're sort of running out of time. But let me, let me re- recommend then these three books, okay? Um, you can get them all. I'm, I, 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 don't, I haven't actually asked whether the bookshop at Mosvale, Anglicare Bookshop does that one? There you go. The Anglicare Bookshop sells this. Okay. This one too? I'm sure we can. They can. They can do anything. Yeah. Now, those two, awesome. This book here is fantastic as well. Okay, I wouldn't really recommend them if they're not fantastic, would I? Anyway, but it's, called, it's by a guy called Richard uh, Koken. So you've got here an American, an Australian, and an Englishman. They walk into a bar and... <laughs> boom, boom. Um, yeah, really, really good book, this one here. It actually just takes you through the Lord's Prayer. And the chapter on your will be done is just awesome. Uh, so really good stuff. Highly recommend them. I'll leave them, I'll leave them up here and then you can have a flick through if you want to afterwards and go for it. So, uh, friends, let's let's wrap things up. When darkness comes, when trouble or tough time or temptation comes, where then ought we go? When darkness comes, where then ought we go? Well, we go towards the light, of course, don't we? (laughs) And that is our Father in heaven. We do as Jesus did. We come to him in trust and obedience, not my will, but yours be done. And all the while remembering the sacrifice of Jesus for us, his love for us, who drank the cup of God's judgment so that we might live, bringing those who come to him out of darkness into his marvellous light. Let's pray, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for today. Um, Lord, we, thank you, yeah, we thank you for the example of Jesus. But most of all, Lord, we thank you today that Jesus died for us. He suffered for us. Lord, we, we pray that when uh, difficult times do come, such as what Jesus even experienced, I suppose, but times of suffering and trial and temptation, and, uh, Lord, we pray that we'd remember uh, what Jesus did, and that is we pray... Thank you, Lord, that you listen to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are in control, that we can trust you, no matter what the outcome. And thank you, Lord, that you, re- you have revealed your will to us in Scripture. We don't have to keep guessing. Um, your revealed will is there. So, Lord, help us to come to you in trust and obedience. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for our church. Uh, thank you for the encouragement it is to be together and the support we have. Thank you for the power of... Um, of Christian fellowship which is not just friendship it's something much more than that so Lord as we, we share today a conversation or two or we, we think through uh, or we, we, uh, we share a cup of tea um, Lord we pray that we'd encourage each other there might be people today who are uh, going through very tough times um, Lord help us to pray with each other and for each other uh, and um, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus. Amen.